Good morning, good people. My name is Nicole Donnell, and I'm your host of the Black Girl Budget Podcast. The Black Girl Budget Podcast has an international audience with listeners from Jamaica, Panama, Australia, Spain, and Norway, to name a few. Welcome to Season 3, which is all about the financial tools we need to budget for today and tomorrow. If you're just joining us in Season 3, we've had amazing collaborations and discussions about high-yield savings accounts, IRAs, 401ks, and credit card rewards. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you're notified when a new episode drops. With nearly 23,000 downloads, the Black Girl Budget Podcast is on Apple, Amazon, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. Today we are talking about, drumroll, insurance. Insurance can be a very different discussion depending on the country you're in and sometimes depending on the state you're in. It's also a touchy conversation depending on the kind of work we're talking about as well. Sometimes it seems like insurance is a waste of money and some may even consider it a scam, but basic coverage is not a scam. There will come a time when you will need your insurance and it will come in handy. Life is unpredictable and we should look at insurance like a risk management tool for the unknown. So we're talking about the different kinds of insurance we need to budget for today and tomorrow. Let's start with property insurance. It's an umbrella term for insurance policies that cover damage to property and or cover property owners who may be liable for something that happens on their property. We all have some form of property that we want to protect, literally all of us. And if you don't believe me, what are you listening to this podcast episode on? Your phone or laptop, right? That's property. And most of us have to deal with insurance for our cell phones specifically. For the amount of money we are paying for these mini computers, aka phones, we should definitely consider getting insurance for them. The iPhone 13 to the iPhone 13 Pro Max range between $799 and $1,099. The Galaxy S22 to the S22 Pro Ultra ranges from $799 to $1,299. How many of us have, have cracked a phone screen? As a matter of fact, share this episode with someone if your screen is cracked right now. <laughs> have you ever lost a cell phone and had to buy a new one? I have. Has a part of your phone randomly stopped working at some point? Mine has. Have you ever been pushed into a swimming pool with your phone tucked in your bathing suit because a guy thought it would be funny? No. Just, that was just me. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So what's crazy is all of this could happen back to back without insurance we'd end up paying for replacement after replacement as opposed to just paying a deductible so what's a deductible it's the amount of money you have to pay out of pocket before your insurance plan or policy pays the rest so let's say you damage your phone somehow and it costs two hundred dollars to fix your deductible might be a hundred dollars you pay the hundred dollar deductible and your insurance plan will cover the other hundred dollars Insurance for cell phones can be pretty affordable, so reach out to your cell phone company and see what the monthly cost is looking like. Keep in mind, our cell phones go with us everywhere we go, and they are vulnerable to all kinds of incidents that can cause damage. Cell phone damage is so common that most of y'all have to share this episode because your screen is cracked. (laughs) Now, we're still talking about property insurance, so let's move on to cars. Y'all, please, please, please get car insurance. I can make a whole episode about car insurance, but I won't. (laughs) Let's start with the fact that most states in the U.S., not all, require that you have car insurance in order to drive it off the lot. 
Car insurance can cover accidents that you may or may not be at fault for. It can cover medical expenses and cover other property damage like fences and poles that are just innocent bystanders. So car insurance can also cover the cost to get your car fixed, protect your assets, cover medical bills for your passenger, and cover the cost of a rental car if necessary. I know paying car insurance premiums can be costly. And in March, one of the Black Girl Budget tips was to look over your budget and see if there are any line items you can negotiate like car insurance rates. Earlier this year, I was paying about $214 a month for car insurance. No accidents on my record, one speeding ticket in my entire driving career. Yeah, y'all like that, driving career. (laughs) No DUIs, no reckless driving, and my car is paid off. I'm a great driver, and yet here I am paying a ridiculous amount of money. Gas prices are way too high for that. So one thing I did to negotiate my car premium, I re- and I recommend this for you all as well, look into the annual mileage that your car insurance company has for you. I called my car insurance company, the original one, and said, hey, I'm working from home full time. Do you all have some kind of discount for that? They said no. So I'm thinking, really? That seems odd because I'm using less mileage. So I called another car insurance company. Don't feel bad about shopping around and make sure you carve out some time to do this. I called another company and I was like, listen, I work from home. I'm not driving as much. What can y'all do for me? I got a quote from them. And when they asked me how many miles I drive, I told them I was, you know, driving somewhere between 3,000 and 4,000 miles a year because I work from home. This brought my insurance quote down to $77 a month for the same coverage that I was getting at $214. So that's something you guys should look into is talk to your insurance company. Let them know if you're working from home, if you're driving less in general, because they probably have you clocked at about 12,000 miles a year. So just by switching car insurance companies, I was basically saving $150 a month. By the way, when I called my old insurance company to cancel my plan, all of a sudden they were able to offer discounts and lower rates left and right. So call your insurance company and negotiate. Call around to other companies and see if they have better rates. Don't be afraid to leave the company you're with to get better rates, but make sure you're still getting the coverage you need. You may need collision, liability, personal injury, comprehensive, and underinsured slash uninsured coverage. So all that is going to go into your car insurance, but it is well worth it because car accidents are very common, y'all. Now, property insurance also covers homeowner's insurance. It's not required by law, but most mortgage lenders will require you have it. It's good to have homeowner's insurance because it protects your home and the personal property inside. And depending on your coverage, it can also cover potential liability for events that happen on the property, renters that you might have in your property, flood, and so much more. But don't get homeowner's insurance confused with mortgage insurance. Those are two totally different things. Now, if you're thinking, well, I don't need this because I don't have a house, townhome, condo, mobile home, etc. I'm renting. There is this little thing called renter's insurance. It's pretty affordable compared to the coverage you get. So it's well worth it and oftentimes is required by your landlord. Renter's insurance covers damages from fire, flood or storm, burglaries, hotel costs for relocation and personal property within your rental unit. 
I know this may seem like another expense, and it is, but it's definitely worth it when you need it, and you're not going back and forth with your landlord during a challenging time. Now, this one you may not be expecting. If you have a pet, you need pet insurance. Y'all know our dog is covered. (laughs) Oftentimes, this can be overlooked by pet owners because just why would I insure my pet? Y'all, these pets be going through it sometimes and need medical attention, medicine, emergency services, and preventative care. Our pet's insurance is less than $50 a month, and it comes in handy. For example, he needed to get a dental cleaning, and his vet said it would cost $500. When I tell y'all, I almost called that lady a name and hung up on her, but then she said, oh, wait, y'all have insurance, so it'll be free. It's covered by your insurance package. When would you like to schedule his appointment? Ma'am, as soon as possible, just in case y'all change your mind. (laughs) Pets are part of our family, and we want to make sure we can cover any emergency and procedures they may need. Check with your vet or PetSmart or Petco and see if there are some plans that you can review. Make sure you get the coverage you need for your dog's age and breed. I think insurance for puppies tends to be a little more costly because you're just kind of getting them started in the world and they need more. Um, than older dogs. So keep that in mind. Now this insurance, I actually don't hear too many people talking about this, but consider it. And that's disability insurance. Disability insurance provides you with money while you're alive if you're unable to work due to injury and or illness. Of course, you have to meet the terms of the policy. There are several types of disability insurance, but today I'll just mention short-term disability and long-term disability. Short-term disability is typically through your employer. It can be expensive to get it by yourself, and most people think that the cost of individual or private short-term disability insurance isn't really worth it. So look into it with your employer and see if they offer it and see what it all covers. Um, This insurance addresses an immediate need for lost income due to injury, illness, or even maternity leave, and that may include bonding time with your newborn baby. It can provide up to 80% of your income, um, and the average amount of time that benefits are paid out is about six months, but sometimes it can be longer than that, even up to a year. Now, long-term disability provides benefits for lost income over a longer period of time. It can cover maybe three years, or it can cover less than that or sometimes more than that. Long-term insurance usually provides 40 to 60% of your lost income. If you have insurance through your employer, make sure you understand if the policy will cover all potential needs. If you have insurance through your employer, make sure you understand if the policy will cover all potential needs or if the policy will leave you underinsured. Also, keep in mind that if your policy is through your employer, any benefit paid out to you may be considered income and therefore taxable. If you have your own private policy, the benefits will likely be tax-free. So that's something you definitely want to look into. Also, keep in mind that if short-term disability is covering 80% of your income and long-term disability is covering between 40 and 60% of your income, there's still a bit of a gap. So you may want to look into how much money you have in your emergency fund or where you can get that extra coverage to get 100% of your income. Now, the last two types of insurance have been big topics lately, so we'll start with life insurance. I could and maybe should make a whole episode about this kind of insurance, but today we'll just cover the basics. 
Life insurance is a touchy subject, but we're just discussing our own transition and that can be scary. But look at life insurance as protecting your loved ones and providing benefits to them after you transition. So there's term life insurance and permanent life insurance. Term life insurance is issued for a specific number of years and then terminates at the end. For example, if you get a 20-year policy, you would pay the premium every month over the 20-year period and benefit payouts are guaranteed to your beneficiaries if you transition any time during those 20 years. If you are still alive at the end of those 20 years, you stop paying premiums and your beneficiaries will not receive any payouts from that policy. You also won't get any money from the company once you do transition. Permanent life insurance comes in two flavors. That's whole life and universal. These policies never expire. So you pay a premium until you transition and then the policy is paid out to your beneficiaries. Permanent life insurance is structured differently than term insurance. You pay a monthly premium to get the full policy amount at the time you transition, but a portion of the amount you pay into the policy accumulates as cash value. So you get a life insurance benefit when you transition, and while you're alive, you can access the money you've put into the policy. This kind of policy is typically more expensive more expensive than term insurance. So discuss this with your family. Make sure you understand the cost of the monthly premiums, what the cash value is going to be over time, and what the benefit will be paid out. Now remember, I said that this is typically more expensive than term life insurance. So there are statistics that show about 45% of people who get this kind of insurance oftentimes end up canceling the payments or just Stop making payments at some point over the policy period. If you cancel your policy or if you stop making payments, remember that your beneficiaries will not get paid out the benefits of the policy and you also won't be able to get those expensive premiums back. So this is going to be a very big decision to make. Include your family and discuss what some of the other policies are in your family and go from there. Now, the difference between whole life and universal life policies is that whole life offers fixed premiums while universal is a little more flexible in premium payments and benefits. And last, but certainly not least, healthcare. There is so much I could say about healthcare, but I'll keep it short and sweet. When I say healthcare, this includes insurance for dental, vision, pediatricians, OBGYNs, a primary care physician, and any specialist that you need on a consistent basis. Now, most of us in the States get our health insurance through our employer. I know that is very wild to other people who are listening to the podcast from different countries, but make sure you understand the coverage you are receiving from your employer or from your policy if you have a private policy and understand what it covers. As far as you, your family, does it cover dental and vision? Because remember, with some employer plans, it does not cover dental and vision. Now, there are so many different kinds of health coverages, but we'll just discuss three of the main ones. There's the high deductible health plans. Those are HDHPs. There are preferred provider organization. That is so hard to say, a.k.a. PPOs and health maintenance organizations, a.k.a. HMOs. High deductible health plans are just that. They have a higher deductible but offer a health savings account, often called 
HSAs. These are accounts that allow you to put aside tax-free money for medical expenses, but not premiums. When it comes to high deductible health plans, these are good for maybe younger people who don't have as much health care needs. Um, so keep in mind that higher deductibles, remember we talked about deductibles earlier, literally your deductible is just going to be higher. So if you have a medical expense that's $1,000, your deductible, the amount you pay out of pocket first, may be $500 as opposed to another kind of plan that may have a deductible of $250. So if you have a high deductible and it's $500, it could be $1,000. You pay out of pocket that $500 or $1,000, and then anything that is over that amount, your insurance company will pay. Preferred provider organization plans. Goodness gracious. PPOs allow you to see any provider in a specific network or group of doctors and specialists. A PPO plan does not offer a health savings account, but your employer may offer a flexible spending account. Often called an FSA, uh, it's an employer-sponsored health care benefit that allows employees to set aside up to $2,850 for the year of 2022, and that's annually to cover the cost of qualified medical expenses. It's a lot like a savings account, but used for qualified health-related costs. Health maintenance organization plans are usually the most affordable plans. Those are HMOs. You usually have a primary care physician manage and direct your care with this plan. Your primary doctor will keep track of all your medical records and provide routine checkups. This plan won't offer an HSA, but it may offer an FSA. Now, if you're offered a health savings account or a flexible spending account, Definitely look into using those because they can be very beneficial. A lot of times we're just like living on the edge when it comes to healthcare. But if you can start to put money aside specifically for medical needs and expenses, y'all, it's like an emergency fund just for your health needs. So definitely look into using one if you are offered one. Now let's move into new business. The newsletter will be dropping on July 1st, and it will have a summary of the $6 billion in student loans that Joe Biden agreed to forgive earlier this week. And it'll also come with your budgeting tips for July. So make sure you subscribe on the website. That's blackgirlbudget.com. The website is undergoing construction right now, and I am very excited for you all to see the new website. So just stay tuned for when that drops and is available. We did get a question from someone in the BGB community, and they asked, how much money should I start saving in my emergency fund? Now, this came from someone who has no emergency fund whatsoever right now, and they're doing pretty good with their budgeting and spending, but they're like, I just, I ain't got the savings. So don't overwhelm yourself when it comes to creating your emergency fund. Start with putting aside $500 over the next two to three months. Then move on to $1,000, but don't stop there. I cannot stress this enough. $1,000 is not enough for your emergency fund. So move on to one full month of expenses. That's everything in your budget. So if everything in your budget comes up to $2,500 a month, then you should go from saving $1,000 to saving $2,500 in your emergency fund. Now, don't set a goal to immediately save $2,500 if that's what's in your budget and if you currently have $0 in your emergency fund because 
that will be overwhelming. So start with saving $500 over the next two to three months, and that's putting away $100 or $150 every month. And then from there, move on to $1,000. So if you are listening to this and you say, Nikki, I have $0 in my emergency fund. Over the next three months, your goal is to save $500 in your emergency fund. So you can start by saving $150 in July, $150 in um, August, and then save your $200 in September. Did I do my months and my math right? <laughs> so so keep in mind that over the next three months, that will help you save your $500, and it will also give you a sense of peace. Emergency funds are so important, and they can really honestly help us sleep a little better at night. So if you're at zero over the next three months, you definitely want to start saving up to that $500, and then go from there, move on to 1000 and then you want to save one month's worth of expenses. Lastly, the podcast is available on Google, Apple, and Amazon Podcasts, which means you can now get it on Audible as well. And I see some of you are taking advantage of that. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you know when new episodes are available. Join me next week when we discuss another financial tool that can help us budget for today and tomorrow.